This is the Dance Printering Studio Podcast, session number 207, How an Experiment Became an Experience, The Rise of the Leela Dance Collective. Hello there and welcome to session number 207 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. I'm Matt Bone and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus. The lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I never thought I would say this, but I'm really beginning to enjoy the in-person interviews that I'm having recently for the podcast. And this one, oh my goodness, I can't wait to share it with you. The wonderful Rena Meta of the Leela Dance Collective. She is one of the co-artistic directors. And it's also not often that I get to share right before the production before the show, because she has something coming up called Son of the Wind by by the Leela Dance Collective. Oh my goodness, this looks incredible. And that's going to be presented at one of my favorite venues, the Ford Theaters. If you've listened to any previous episodes, you know, I just rant and rave about my experiences at the Ford Theaters. I love that place. So September 14th, put it in your calendar if you're in the greater Los Angeles area, 8pm tickets are available now to go see this awesome production called Son of the Wind. I'm linking some information also in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 207. You can see some pictures of Rena and myself and my awesome publicist contact Susan Gordon, who's been so instrumental in connecting me with um, a lot of these artists and these experiences. So I'm so thankful for her. She's such a sweetheart. And uh, let's go ahead and get into this session. I got to have this conversation at Soho Dance LA, which has a location in Westwood, as well as I believe Sherman Oaks. So I've linked their information in the show notes. And I loved my conversation with Rena. She is so amazing to talk to and loved learning about Katak, which is the uh, one of the forms of Northern classical Indian dance. And I'm not very familiar with it, but I got to learn about it and watching her teach beforehand before our conversation. Wow, that was a great experience. And I would have loved to watch more of it and looking, oh my goodness, so looking forward to seeing more of this dance form and seeing more of her company. I loved how we talked about art versus entertainment and being in a collaborative collective where the sum is so much greater than just one person. And I resonated so much with what she said, her mission, the mission of Leela Dance Collective. And oh, wow, let's just go ahead and get into this interview, my wonderful conversation with the lovely Rina Meta. And uh, please, if you can make it, I highly recommend you check out Son of the Wind by the Leela Dance Collective. On September 14th, 2019, 8 p.m. at one of my favorite venues, the Ford Theaters. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, my name is Rena Metta, and I'm a co-founder and principal artist with the Leela Dance Collective. And you're listening to another episode of the Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. 
Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Okay, so I have to start by quoting you from Voyage LA, which when I read this, I thought this is amazing because I feel the same way. And to read that and to see you and to see uh, Rena and her dance company, her students dance and in a form that I'm not very familiar with, but is so engaging. I have to read this. I was born with an intense and otherworldly love of dance. This love has consumed me, tested me and driven me. Today, this love of dance is the foundation upon which I have built a life and a business and the breath that infuses everything I do. Oh my gosh, when I read that in her interview, I had to sit and breathe and think, oh, I feel the same way, but you put it so beautifully. And I thought, and I love that you were so unapologetic about your experiences and what you did in that article. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But I'm here with uh, Rina Meta, choreographer, performer, artistic director of Leela Dance Academy, co-founder of Leela Dance Collective. And they're going to be performing September 14th at one of my favorite venues, the Ford. Oh, I've been to a number of things at the Ford and it is seriously one of my favorite venues to see art. And she is also the founder of the Leela Endowment, which I found out is the first and only one of its kind self-standing endowment for Indian classical dance and music. I'm so excited to be here at uh, Soho Dance LA, which I've never been to before. I love these new experiences of going to new dance studios and new dance events and just being in this environment and seeing all these things going on with dance and so let's get right into it. But oh, you know what? I also want to share her core values with her company because, again, I sat and, and read this and I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> because I love that. Uh, we're going to get into this, but I love that this company, uh, her philosophy, what she does in her business is all rooted in more than just the movement, more than choreography, leaving a legacy. And uh, there's some, oh, I cannot wait to get into this. But let me read some of the core values of Leela Collective, Leela uh, Endowment. Have a transformative impact on the field. Elevate the standard of the art. Place artists at the center. Facilitate collective creativity. Foster artistic and administrative excellence. And innovate while remaining grounded in tradition. I love that because it it covers everything. It's about giving honor to what has come before us because it, without that, we wouldn't have something to base it on. So without further ado, I want to welcome Rena to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, thank you so much for having me and um, for giving me an opportunity to talk about the thing that I love, um, dance. You know, I can talk about it and do it all the time. So I'm just very excited to be here and to have this conversation. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored and I feel the same way. I can talk about dance 24-7, all aspects of dance, all kinds of dance. <laughs> with all, just, Yeah, I totally get that, which is why I resonate so much with your, mesh, your message and your core values. And so let's talk first about September 14th, because I want to help promote that with uh, Son of the Wind, which Leela Dance Collective, and I saw some of the videos. Oh my goodness. Wow. Everybody needs to see that because it looks amazing. Now with my... Uh, background in yoga. I, I, I know little bits in he, uh, here and there about Hanuman and about um, Sanskrit and Hindu, and it's all very fascinating to me. And the dance form that you are a master at is, let me see if I can pronounce it right, Kaka? 
cut, cut, cut. Okay. That is a form of Indian classical dance, but it's not the only form, right? Can you tell us, because I know most of us don't know, can you talk about the differentiation between the different classical dances? So we have eight currently, we have eight classical dance forms in India. And so as whereas here in the West, you have ballet in India, we have Kathak and Bharatnatyam and Odyssey and uh, Kathakali and so many more. And it, it's because India is actually, it's so diverse. The country is so diverse within itself. And what makes Kathak, the art form that I do, very unique is it's the only, one of the only classical dance forms that has both Hindu and Muslim influences. So the art form began in ancient India and the Kathakas would travel from village to village, kind of like the bards and minstrels of Europe. And they would tell the stories of the great Hindu gods and goddesses. So it was a form of retaining history, telling mythology, um, you know, moral stories. And eventually when the Mughals came in, in medieval times, the art form moved out of the temples and into the courts and it became a form of entertainment. And it's in these courts that it really developed some of the technical um, complexity and the sophistication, and it absorbed a lot of Islamic influence. And so what makes Kathak unique is its evolutionary history. And of course, you know, in modern times, the art form has moved onto the proscenium stages, and the art form continues to evolve. My teacher, Pandit Chitresh Das, is one of the world's most renowned masters of the art form. He passed away about four years ago, and he's credited for having brought the art form and establishing it here in the West. And another kind of phase of evolution began with him and everything he did to experiment with the art form here. And he would always say, you know, my competition is the ballet and the opera and I have to live and work and survive in this country. So how do I make Kathak interesting and relevant here in the United States? And so he evolved the art form in so many ways, technically, how you present it choreographically and so much so that his style is incredibly unique and distinctive and informally in the field, people started to refer to his style as the California Karana. Um, Karana means school. And so, um, again, just because, so what's beautiful about Indian classical dance is that it's sustained and it's, it's the beautiful thing about Indian spirituality, Indian history and philosophy, even though it represents this unbroken kind of continuity back into ancient times, it, what allows it, I think, to survive generation after generation is its ability to evolve. It's actually the art form. We, we perceive tradition as something archaic and closed, but actually the openness of Indian classical dance and music is what allows it to evolve and continue to stay relevant. And it's why a second generation Indian American like me, who, you know, was born and raised in this country can make it my life and my livelihood and what I do. So it's a beautiful, beautiful art form, really. And I got to witness some of that watching rehearsals before our conversation here. And I was, it, I, it was beautiful. I, and I loved how detailed you were, but you gave really good context to it. And I wanted to ask about that. Actually, there, well, there's a lot of questions I want to ask because it's so fascinating. It's, it is really fascinating because oh, I think the Western culture too, they think of Indian dance too, either as, like you said, archaic, not that Indian dance are, but 
or Bollywood, very commercialized. And so they don't know that there's so much more to it, which I didn't either. Not that I thought that it was all Bollywood, but it's interesting how something can, can be so commercialized and then people think that's the representation of it as a whole, which of course is not. So um, with what you were teaching about the footwork, I was fascinated with what you said about getting clarity of the sound, but not banging your feet. Can you talk a little bit about that technique? I was very fascinated about that because they had these, what is that called that they had around their feet? Okay. So, so she's going to talk about that. <laughs> so yeah. So Gatek is a percussive art form. So it's a percussive dance. And in many ways, because it's a percussive dance, you know, tap dancers and flamenco dancers are kindred spirits for us because they do what we do, which is make rhythm and music with their feet. Um, we, however, do it barefoot. So we're barefoot and we have to learn how to make sounds with all the different parts of our feet, um, the toe, the ball of the foot, the heel, the side of the foot. And then we wear gungru. They're called gungru and they're bells made out of brass and iron. And we actually hand make those. We string them ourselves. Um, they are our musical instrument. So we have a very deep relationship with them. And the process of making the bells actually is the process of building that relationship. And so the, the gungru actually create an ornamentation and they just ornament the sound that you're making with your base foot. So yeah. And you know, many, many musicians will tell you this. They'll tell you, you know, um, whether you're a, a violinist or whether you're a pianist, um, people will talk about not having tension. So if you're, if you're a musician that uses your hands, you don't have tension in your wrists. So the same for us. Um, our feet are our musical instrument. So the best way to get beautiful sound out of them is to actually have them be very, very relaxed. And the process um, of learning to use your feet at the speed that we're demanding um, takes a long, long time. So it's a, it's a physical technique and it's, it's technique like any other technique, like ballet, like classical music. I was really fascinated by that. And the fact that obviously, I mean, you're, you're, you're very attuned to getting the clarity, which I thought, and then when you were doing it without the bells and how strong that was, yet like you said, you have to be relaxed. I, I found it very, very fascinating. And I loved what you said about having confidence, even if you were doing something wrong, that it wasn't about just necessarily getting the choreography right, but be confident. And I could see how some of the dancers were, were trying to work on that. Was that something that you had to learn in your dance journey in terms of uh, your training? Or did you always feel like, did you always feel confident as you were training because you've been dancing your whole life? So what would you say about that? No. So I, what I would say is that I, I feel at home on the dance floor. It's where I feel the most who I am. But when I started studying Gatek with my teacher, with my Guruji, um, I was very intimidated by him because he was amazing. And I really wanted to make sure not to disappoint him. I wanted to impress him. I wanted to kind of get it right. Um, and the other thing that I was really uh, intimidated by was how much complexity and sophistication was involved. So there's a lot of mathematical. So 
I think one of the mistakes that I made very for many years is that I, I wanted to get it right. And that desire to do it right would always get in the way. And it's this is something I learned from him, which is that you just need to throw your body, you need to shut your mind off, and you need to throw your body into it because instinct will carry over. There is a deeper sense in you, a deeper knowledge, a deeper place that knows. And so if you can just kind of shut off all those voices and those that perfectionist, inner perfectionist. So um, what I have found is that if the pace of the class is fast, if you're reciting loudly and just, you know, just giving it your all, right, wrong, whatever, it eventually becomes right. So that's something that I learned. It's something I have to remind myself all the time. And it's something I try to teach my students. I I just loved watching you in class. I loved how you taught. I loved that you were intentional about your corrections, but it, it everything made sense. I think that's what I loved. And, and coming into this dance form that I'm not really familiar with, which is from Northern India, right? Okay. And I love the emph- the percussiveness, like the emphasis on the V. I didn't know that. I didn't know that because when, because of course I'm thinking yoga with the mudras, with the hands, which I love the gestures and the the different looks and just the, but I saw that too, a little bit of that too in some of the choreography. And that was really great to watch. And it was great to see that the class was um, different age levels too, different and uh, and I saw that each of the dancers brought something different to the movement obviously was uniform, but I liked that I saw different aspects based on who the person was, so, which was great. So speaking of different demographics, different personalities with your dance collective, how do you work together? What have you found has worked well because you've, you've traveled the world, you've taught all over, your company has performed in front of thousands of people. How, how, how have you made that work with different personalities, the business side of it? What would you say about that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, we actually started the Leela Dance Collective one year after my Guruji passed away. So he passed away in 2015, January. And the way I trained, I trained in a very traditional Guru Shishya Parampara, like in a guru and disciple context. So it was very grueling. Anybody who studies yoga very seriously, it's kind of like a master apprenticeship relationship. So it's seven days a week. It's not, you know, I pop into this dance class for a couple of hours and then live my life. And so the beautiful thing about that is that he taught for 40 years in this country. He built a dance company and I had a phenomenal number of guru sisters, sisters that I had grown up with in the dance. And so we trained with him together. We danced in his company together. We taught um, in his school together. And after he passed, a few of us got together to think about what we wanted to do and how we wanted to carry forward the legacy. And myself and my two guru sisters, Rechna Nivas and Sebi Lee, who are both actually senior to me in the dance, and my two other guru sisters, Sarah Morelli and Shafali Jane, the five of us kind of got together. And as we thought about how we wanted to move forward, we felt really strongly that that traditional model of one artistic, one guru and many dancers, or even one artistic director and many dancers was not going to work for us. And that we really needed something that was more open and fluid as a model, a place where people could develop individually, and a place where people could work collaboratively to create 
new art. And so we decided upon this collective model, and we called it the Leela Dance Collective. And it really was an experiment. We didn't know what we were signing up for. We It was a big, and it's been a big experiment. But it's been miraculous. It's been the most amazing journey of my life because it's this beautiful, it's become this beautiful way that women can support other women. And, you know, that's not, that's rare. (laughs) Um, You know, women are too often positioned in competition with one another. um, And for us, this is, and you know, we could have named it after one person. And again, the company is not named after one person. So really from the very beginning, we wanted to set the tone that the sum of the parts is greater than any one, you know, any one person. And so it really was about what we could make and build together. And um, it's it's just been amazing. It's just been amazing. We've created um, two big artistic works and the artistic director you know, for Son of the Wind, it's been myself, Rechna Nivas, and Sabi Lee. The three of us are the co-artistic directors. But what's fascinating about it is that many of the dancers have contributed. They've contributed to the choreography. There's a scene in the show where we are showing um, an army preparing for war. And there's a young dancer who has studied martial arts. And so she, we experimented with so many of the movements that she brought to the table. Some of our musicians have contributed by creating new rhythmic cycles because the character of Hanuman inspired a new rhythmic cycle. So our job as artistic directors, it's less that I have an artistic vision and I want to put my artistic vision onto these bodies, but it's more that we have a vision and we have a collective of dancers at all different levels that come together to put ideas into the pot and we debate and we discuss. So it's it's really that collective creativity that's at the core of our value system. Um, so we're really happy with with what we've created and we hope to sustain it. Um, it's definitely challenging. You have lots of different personalities, but you know, what binds us is that we all serve the art form. We are all in service of the greater mission. And so each one of us is able to, in the end, put our ego aside for, you know, what feels like it's going to serve the art form the most. That was beautifully said. And I'm so glad you I, I was going to ask you actually about the what you said about women empowering women. And I Oh, gosh, you, you were so right about that. Because I was about to ask you that before and I said, and then I said, Oh, good, she just mentioned it. <laughs> so that worked out really, really well. And Oh, that just I cannot wait to see it. I hope I, I'm, I'm supposed to be out of town. But th- that's still kind of iffy. So I really wanted because I was look, yeah, because I was looking at the video and I was reading about it and I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be so amazing. Now, what you talked about with collective, uh, creatively collaborating, I, I love that too. When you're in a collaborative environment and everybody's on the same page, even though everybody has different ideas, obviously, there's magic that can happen. And I love that. I love that kind of environment. I want to ask you about what you said about art versus entertainment. Art takes so much more. There's a difference. There really is a difference. Art can be entertaining, but if someone puts something out just for entertainment's sake, yes, there's work. There's different mediums that require more work than others. But I loved how you talked about the difference. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the reasons that I have been thinking a lot about art versus entertainment is because, um, you know, Bollywood has become so popular and in so many ways it's become the ambassador for Indian dance outside of India. And so, you know, I can't tell you how many times I will go to parties or I'll go to events and people will be like, oh, you do Indian dance like Bollywood? Um, and I have to just remind people that, you know, that would be like comparing, you know, and I love, I love pop music, but it would be like comparing Britney Spears and the ballet. You know, one is pop dance and pop music and it's meant for entertainment and it's amazing and we love it. But fundamentally, it serves a really different purpose. And, you know, art is about something much deeper. And there's a quote um, that I read, and I can't remember the name of the person who said it, but it talked about how what entertainment does is entertainment comforts you, it pleases you, art really transforms you if it's if it's good art. And so we you know, that's what we're searching for. And in, in Indian history and philosophy, Indian classical dance and music is considered to be a path, a spiritual path, just like yoga and just like meditation. So it is said that, you know, the divine is like the center of a wheel and there's many spokes that lead to the divine and music and dance are considered one of them. So in our tradition, music and dance serve to elevate your consciousness. They serve to transform you. And so in that way, they're a spiritual path and they're deep and profound and transformative. And my Guruji would always say, you know, my job when I get on the stage is you, a performer serves kind of like a priest, right? In that way, because their job through opening themselves up and accessing the divine or a higher elevated state of consciousness, their job is to provide that experience for everybody in the audience. So I think that's what art means to us. It takes a lot of deep internal work, the process. I'm sure with everything that you've done with your collective, collectively, each one of you, it, it's taken a lot. It takes a lot. It takes a lot when you're teaching, when you're investing in your students. So I, I, oh, I just love this so much. I get so, I get so like, oh, so excited when we talk about this kind of stuff because it's, it's so much more than just the movement. I say that all the time. It's so much more than just the movement, the choreography, the athletic ability. Uh, my dance trainer always talks about artistry versus athleticism. I love seeing a great, long, extended développé. I love seeing multiple fouette turns on point. I love that. But I also love seeing someone that can stand there and not do anything or have very slight movement and you want to cry. <laughs> you know, There's something about that too. And I think those moments and also in, you know, in your class too, I was, um, I was looking at just because also from my ballet dance background, which I know you've studied different forms as well, but I thought, okay, so they're turning on their hero. They're not turning on, they're not on the ball of their feet, but it's just as strong. It takes just as much, even if they're not on demi point. There's still the technique, what you're talking about, being pulled out of your hips and using your lats to be tight and, you know, all that stuff. People think it, people think certain dance forms is just posing or just getting into a position when there's so much more. There's so much more technical and physical skills that you have to work on and develop. So I love that you were that was all part of that. So that I could have sat and watched another hour of that class. Seriously. Oh, my gosh, this is oh, I could 
Oh, my goodness. Can you talk a little bit more in preparation for the Ford Theater performance so we can continue to promote that? Yeah. So um, what's really exciting about the, the show at the Ford is that it's a story. It's story based. So as you saw in class today, there's a lot of technique um, and there's performances or productions that are more movement and technique based. But, you know, Kathak actually comes from the word Katha, which means story. And the Kathaka is the storyteller. So storytelling is actually one of the central things to all eight of the Indian classical dance forms. And so we're doing um, a portion of the Ramayana, India's ancient epic, and we're doing a little bit of a twist on it. So we are looking at the story from the perspective of Hanuman. So the the protagonist of the story is actually Sri Ramchandra. Um, he's the protagonist and, you know, his wife and beautiful princess Sita gets kidnapped. But Hanuman is a devoted, he's a devotee of Ram and is instrumental in helping rescue Sita. And so we wanted to focus on Hanuman because one of the things that's special about our style and my Guruji is he really pushed the envelope in terms of the kind of characters that Gatek portrays. So, you know, male and female characters are very typical, but, you know, tribal warriors and demon kings, and these are a little bit more rarely seen. And so we wanted to play with this idea. And so we, what's, Another thing that's really exciting is we're doing the third half, the third third, I should say, not the third half, but the last part of the Ramayana, which is the big war and the preparation for the battle. And so it's an all-female cast, and you have all these women doing the role of demon kings and warriors. And so it's been such an incredible experiment in exploring masculinity um, and so that part for me has been very exciting. And in general, like I play the role of Ravan, which is the, the, ant, you know, the, the evil demon king of the story. And so exploring and the, the whole show opens with me, with Ravan kidnapping Sita. So, and it's, it's a, it's, it's intense. That whole scene is really intense. So embracing within you that kind of aggression and that kind of um, arrogance and power and all that stuff has been a very, very exciting process. But it's, it's a beautiful show. It has 18 dancers. Um, it's grand. So it's, it's actually meant for a stage like the Ford. And the thing that I love about it is that the musical score is played live. So we have five musicians, four of them are coming from India. And we have, you know, your traditional instruments, the sitar, the sarod, tabla, and pakavaj, which is even an older drum. So we have the live musicians, the 17 dancers, phenomenal costuming. And of course, the Ford staging and lighting is beautiful. So it's it's like this way for us to bring this ancient story to life. So we're, we're really excited. I know it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so I am going to get we're actually getting close to closing out here. But I have three questions for Rena that I ask everybody and they're fun questions. And um, I will definitely link all of her information in the show notes for and also tickets for the Ford because you don't want to miss this show after seeing this the just even the little of the rehearsal class time oh my gosh very very intriguing so these are the three questions I call them the dance printering quick step number one what is the dance style you haven't tried yet but would like to and why I think ballet um no, I've never even been to a ballet class uh, but you know I for me um, anything that just looks 
just hard. It just looks so like how does a person put their body in that position is so exciting. So if I, you know, I still might muster up the courage to go walk into a ballet class. Well, I was going to say someone watching your class, they're going to say, how do they do those turns fast and spot really well and like get the, you know, because those angles were very definitive. You had to have based on the counts of that was it had to be definitive. Otherwise, it would not translate. So, yeah. How did they do those turns? (laughs) spotting technique pulling up? Yes, you explained all of that. Who is your favorite dancer or choreographer and why? I mean, hands down, my teacher. Panditchitrish Das. I mean, I, if I could study with him for the next seven lifetimes, I would ask. He just, you know, enough said. What is the dance style that currently describes your day, this moment right now, and why? Wow, that is a really hard question. Um, what is the dance style? Honestly, I would probably say break dancing. I don't know why, but it, it feels, you know, where we're, the reason I say that is because, um, I've always loved the angles and I've, I've, if I could, you know, that's another style that I would study. Ballet's on my list. Break dancing is on my list. And I've just thought, oh my God. So this something about those sharp angles feels appropriate for the current state of my life. <laughs> Well, your dance style is pretty athletic as well. So and has some beautiful angles as I saw in class today. So thank you so much, Rina. This has been amazing. This is the kind of conversation I would love to continue for hours on end. So I'm so honored that I got to see this. And I really look forward to seeing more of your work and learning more about Katak. I mean, it's just really fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this session. Remember that you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great.